Hi there, and welcome back to Gem Connection. Today's episode is about how lab-grown diamonds have impacted the diamond market, and how industrial-quality lab-grown diamonds are being used to advance technology, from its use in quantum computing and detecting cells in the body, to its use in space exploration. In April 2018, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, released guidelines expanding on the definition of diamond to include lab-grown diamonds. Lab-grown and mined diamonds are chemically, optically, and physically indistinguishable. The physical properties include its hardness and how it conducts heat. The differences between them are where they're grown, their growth shape, and their inclusions. In the early days of lab-grown diamonds, much of the commercial production was coming from overseas, with little transparency and largely unregulated. As a gemologist and jewelry appraiser, I became more curious about lab-grown diamonds and wanted to make sure I was knowledgeable in detecting them. The tools for detecting them now are much more sophisticated, as is the transparency that they're lab-grown. Reputable producers will also have their diamonds certified as lab-grown, and many gemological labs laser-inscribe the words laboratory-grown along with a certification number on the girdle of the stone. Without question, gem-quality lab-grown diamonds have disrupted the jewelry market, and especially as it relates to price. On average, lab-grown diamond consumers can get a 30% larger or better quality stone for the same price as a mined diamond. My guest is lab-grown diamond industry insider Marty Hurwitz, CEO and founder of the MVI in Austin, Texas. The MVI provides consumer and trade market research along with strategic consulting services to a global client list in the gem, jewelry, and watch industries. In 2004, the MVI conducted a study on the awareness and acceptance of lab-grown diamonds and have monitored the progress and growth of this market. I asked Marty about pricing. There's two different segments of the pricing. One is in interior to the trade, the, the supply pipeline, and the second is the consumer or at the retail counter. The first, there is a range of prices in the pipeline depending on the quality and who the source is. Not all growers are created equal and different prices are available from different uh, sources. Generally speaking, prices in the pipeline range about 30% under mine diamonds. And depending on whether it's grown in the USA, whether it's as grown, whether it's certified sustainable, uh, will dictate uh, how, how big the discount on mine diamonds is. Because the most heavily discounted product is coming from uh, India and China, and those are the commercial qualities, and those are the post-growth treated qualities, not the as-grown treated certified product. However, at the consumer level, at the retail point, Everybody shops with a budget in mind. Nobody goes into a store with an unlimited budget or without a number in their mind of what they want to spend. If you're a consumer coming into a, a good jewelry store who carries both mind and lab grown, they're going to introduce you to this new category, lab grown diamonds, and they're going to show you for your budget a mind and a lab grown diamond. And what they they don't want to reduce your spend because that's not in their best interest to reduce the retail spend. So they will show you both, and they will show you a one. If you have a $5,000 budget, they'll show you a one-carat mine diamond or a carat and a third bigger diamond for that same price of the exact same quality as the mine diamond. Seven out of ten times at retail, the consumer is choosing the lab-grown diamond. 
Lab-grown diamonds are gaining in popularity due to price and value and also retailer adoption. While some jewelry retailers see lab-grown diamonds as the next generation, others are benefiting from their profit margins. In the current market, the opposite is true for mine diamonds. Mine diamonds have a low profit margin for retailers. In fact, it's been my experience that a diamond I find for a client through my industry contacts is the same one the client finds for themselves online on websites like BlueNile.com at near wholesale prices. The stone is confirmed by the GIA certification number. But, but you should keep in mind this in terms of the industry part of the pipeline is that the margin that a retailer makes in profit is much higher for lab-grown than it is for mine diamonds. Mine diamonds are a very low-margin product right now for everybody in the supply chain. Lab-grown diamonds are an opportunity for retailers and jewelry manufacturers and wholesalers and growers to make more margin and give the consumer a bigger value at the end, whereas mine diamonds are not. As far as resale goes, this is a very interesting subject because A, no diamond is an investment, and the myth of diamonds being an investment was created by De Beers over 75 years ago and has been utilized to tell a myth to consumer audiences for 75 years. The truth of the matter is, very rarely, less than 1% of the time, does a diamond come back to a retailer because the guy says, oh, the engagement didn't work, please buy my diamond back. Most of the resale of diamonds happens at the estate level, and in the estate level sales, those diamonds are heavily, heavily discounted, whether they're mined or not. And the truth of the matter is that the resale investment value of a mine diamond, it deteriorates faster than a car leaving the showroom. And there's no difference in the lab-grown market. They're, neither of them are investments. We're in the love business. We're not in the investment business. And we should be selling the emotional value of this product, not the investment. With this increase in demand for lab-grown diamonds, are clients getting the right messaging from retailers? Are lab-grown diamonds green, or are consumers being greenwashed? The answer lies in who the manufacturer is, because not all lab-grown diamond companies are eco-friendly. SCS Global Services is an international third-party auditing body that works across many different industries to drive transparency, sustainability, and certification across the entire supply chain. They developed their own certification for mined and lab-grown diamonds, called SCS-007. It's meant to ensure that diamonds meet certain environmental, social, and ethical standards of sourcing through annual audits and product testing. This is a rigorous process, and not all lab-grown diamond producers participate. There are five pillars of sustainability to the certification. They are verified origin and traceability, ethical stewardship, verified climate neutrality, sustainable production practices, and sustainability investment. WD Lab-Grown Diamonds near Washington, D.C. was the first to be certified by the standard and the first diamond company in the world to achieve 100% climate neutrality. The consumer is the reason for everything in the supply chain. And 
the consumer that is both simultaneously asking for sustainability, uh, sustainable products in all consumer goods and fashion and cars and lumber and food and everything. That consumer is not only demanding those products from their brands and suppliers and their retailers, they're also demanding third-party objective certification that the sustainability is not just greenwashed uh, marketing BS. And so that's why SCS came into the into the diamond industry. They do it for a lot of un- other industries, including lumber and clothing, you know, hundreds of other industries. And so they came to the diamond industry, the jewelry industry, and wanted to do the same thing. They identified a need and they came along at the right time. And they have tremendous credibility with all the stakeholders, whether it's the NGOs or the government or consumers or retailers. They, they do this a lot. They, they, they're not partisan. And it's a very uh, sincere and very detailed audit procedure that people go through. Switching gears to talk about lab-grown diamonds and its use in science and technology. It's well established that diamond is an electronic insulator and that it has the highest thermal conductivity of any material. One area of research is in semiconductors. Key areas, the, the most closest to viability is in the semiconductor world with a process that's called GAN or gallium nitride. This is the effort to use diamond as sort of a replacement to silicon in the chip microchip manufacturing and gallium nitride adhered to a diamond surface uh, is uh, speculated and being researched as being the next go-to circuitry platform a couple of reasons for this one is thermal conductivity the ability to transmit circuits or electricity through gallium nitride without causing too much heat circuitry tends to heat up a bit and the less heat you have evolving from a microchip, the better, uh, and the more you can do with it. You can also add more more circuitry on diamond than you can on silicon. So that's probably the, the, the closest to reality right now. The other opportunities are in quantum computing, defense technology, uh, and even space technology. Again, going back, this, everything that goes up into space requires uh, weight, light, lightness of weight is an advantage, and circuitry using diamond will be able to have more circuitry with less weight. Marty mentioned quantum computing, and I want to expand on this because I think the role of lab-grown diamonds is really interesting. In a regular computer, the basic building blocks are bits. They're ones and zeros. It's binary. In quantum computing, the basic building blocks are qubits, quantum bits. It uses ones, zeros, or ones and zeros together, allowing for more and faster calculations. The role of lab-grown diamonds in quantum computing comes from a defect in the crystal lattice that creates the qubits. Let me explain. While diamonds are predominantly carbon, nitrogen is commonly found as a chemical impurity. A nitrogen atom next to a missing carbon atom in the crystal lattice is called nitrogen vacancy, or NV for short. These nitrogen vacancy center diamonds do occur in type 2 mined diamonds, which I'll talk about next episode, but for these purposes are grown in a lab and act as a host for different things to happen. They have special powers. There is an unpaired electron in these unique diamonds 
meaning the electron doesn't have a partner with opposite spin, so it circulates around the nitrogen and missing carbon. Scientists can control this electron by using electromagnetic fields, putting the qubit in a state of existing in multiple states, in ones and zeros, simultaneously. These nitrogen vacancy diamonds are also being used throughout the healthcare industry in MRIs and PET scans. They're being used to detect proteins, enzymes, and cells in the body and researched as a diagnostic tool to detect cancer. The many uses of lab-grown diamonds sounds like science fiction. They're being used to measure atmospheric pressure. They're used in nuclear fusion ignition, cutting tools, and lasers. There are advancements for its use in UVC LED lamps used to sanitize medical tools and purify water. They're being researched for use in car batteries to reduce charging times. The use of lab-grown diamonds is incredibly versatile and it's advancing technologies. Diamonds are still a girl's best friend. Diamond is also best friends with innovation and engineering. A special thanks to Marty Hurwitz for his input and sharing his knowledge. You can find out more about the MVI by visiting their website, spelled T-H-E-M-V-E-Y-E dot -E -E com. I've consulted with them on a few things, and they're an incredible resource. For more detailed information about SCS Global Services and the SCS 007 standard, you can visit scsglobalservices.com. And to learn more about WD Lab Grown Diamonds, their website is wdlabgrowndiamonds.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm going to be diving deeper into Lab Grown Diamonds, so stay tuned for part two.